Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this episode of 30 Minutes to President's Club. My name is Armand Farouk, and I'm here with my co-host, Mark Passaglo. And today, we have some hilarious disagreements. We're talking about something feisty. We're talking about setting quotas, comp plans, agreeing to a goal as a VP of sales, not overhiring, overhiring. It's the one and only Doug Landis for a repeat show. Mark, why should people listen? If you don't know Doug, you better know. That's all I'm saying. Doug is one of the most connected people. And I think that he just gives this really interesting perspective across a broad number of companies, stages, conversations, people. And I think when you get somebody with that in a room or on a podcast like this, I think we really take it to them and like talk about some of the assumptions, like how are board members, how are investors thinking about this? And I think it's a really interesting conversation around that kind of stuff. Alrighty, folks. And if you like what you heard, why don't you send Doug a DM on LinkedIn and tell him if you agree or disagree with the way that he wants to set the goals. All right. And a three, two, one, let's ride. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. If you get an email and the action required on that email is going to take you less than two minutes to do, do it on the spot. It's not worth adding it to your to-do list, having to look at the item, remember what you need to do. That's going to take you more than two minutes anyway. So do it on the spot, get it off your plate. Now we documented our best templates and tips to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang. And you can get that documentation for free at the link in the show notes. Here's my secret to being a sales superhuman. It's auto reminders for everything. If I expect any reply from a prospect, I press command H and superhuman pops it right back into my inbox. If I don't get a reply in two days, that means if you handle an objection, if you suggest times for a meeting, or if you ask for cuts back on red lines, always create a two day reminder task and assume they will not reply. So if you want to follow up on time, every time you can get a free month of superhuman by checking it out in the show notes. Today's tactic to triple your connect rate is brought to you by RocketReach, who provides data that lets you reach out to the right person at the right account at the right time. Every time you're reaching out to an account, pull down the contacts again. Yes, I know it sucks, but the average tech tenure is two years, which means 50% of the workforce turns over every year. So look up the account, pull anyone who was hired, and scratch anyone who was left. And one way you can pull verified and accurate data is with Rocket Reach. So if you like this, check out their toolkit on eight ways to triple your cold call connects in the show notes. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. All right, Doug. Well, welcome back to the show. We start every leadership show with your top three actionable takeaways. Let's get your three. All right. Number one, as a sales leader, it's so important. You are in the midst of Q4 right now. What I want you to do is all way you'll look at your incentive structure between now and the end of the year. This is for right now. You have to reevaluate your incentive plans. Look, it's really hard for reps to hit their number. We said less than 43% of sales teams are hitting quota. If I'm an AE right now, I'm freaking out. I'm not making any money. I got the holidays coming around. If I'm like, Mark, I got six mounds to feed. <laughs> so what can you do? You can use spiffs. So put in a spiff or a kicker for a specific customer type. If you know your high value customers, the ones that are likely going to continue to expand, renew, upsell, et cetera. First of all, you got to maybe got to work with your CS team to identify who those good tier one customers might be. And then give a kicker if 
people close deals with that customer type or in a specific industry. The second thing is we're really relying on our existing customers for pipeline in many cases. So what if you close a deal and you get that customer to make an introduction to another person that's in a similar role and you book a meeting with that person, I would give a stiff or a kicker for that. So customer referral that actually turns into a meeting this quarter is another great little incentive kicker you can put in place to help your reps actually make some additional cash, even though they most likely may not be hitting their number. Reevaluate your incentive plan, number one. The gift of spiff from Doug Landis. Doug, what's number two? Number two, build your model in 2024 for efficiency, not just growth. See, we have spent so many years focused on growth at all costs. And so what did you do? You hired for capacity and you're like, great, that's how I'm going to get to my number. I'm just going to hire a bunch of people. That doesn't work when you're operating at sub 50% attainment. It's just not going to work. What we really want, what your CFO wants, what your board wants is we want you to be way more efficient. So as you're thinking about growing next year, adjust your incentive structure for if, you have, if you're a VP of sales or if you're a frontline sales leader and you have this structure in place, and if your board hasn't told you you have to double, then what you do is now you set yourself up for growth in an efficient manner. So there's three things ultimately that you want to do. First is if you can get your team, your frontline sales leader team, to hit 100% of their number one quarter, for one quarter. If you haven't done it all year, then do it for one quarter. If you've done it half the year, three quarters of the year, then set them up for two quarters. And if they can get 80% of their team up to 80% attainment, then guess what? Give them free headcount, additional headcount. They don't take on the quota. You as the VP of sales, you take on the quota, but now they have a chance of actually hitting even more of their number and making some money because we all know the frontline sales leader job is the hardest job on the planet right now. The other thing you might want to consider too is create an automatic promotion path. Basically, the opportunity is in their own hands. If they hit 100% of their number two quarters in a row, boom, automatically promoted from AE2 to AE3, AE3 to a senior AE. If you create these opportunities where people actually can make a bunch of money or make some more money, and you can drive the efficiency in the organization. So this also means that you've got to reorient your enablement efforts to be almost like account-based, but we're going to call it individual-based enablement plans. Each individual needs their own plan. If someone's been struggling and it's like they just can't get their pipeline up, well, then you need to sit down and work with them on ways in which they can actually generate more pipeline and not just like consume this content. You're going to be great. And if you don't, then, you know, it's on you. No, that's BS. As a leader, it's on you to get your team bolstered. And by the way, if they can't do it, if you give them all the support, the resources, your coaching, mentors in the organization, they can't do it. Well, now you've got a, enough reason to get rid of them on number one doug gave away a spiff on number two he's making sure everyone hits quota on number three he might be giving away his car doug what's number three sorry you can't <laughs> take that out of my hands all right number three this is pretty obvious but you gotta put time into nurturing your existing customers question for you as a sales leader how have you ever spent any time with your cs leader if you don't own cs if you own cs great good for you but either way, have you ever spent time and actually evaluated your customers and identified which ones are your tier one customers, the high value customers? These are your babies, right? Maybe it's in the marquee industry that you serve really well. You've got a lot of them. Well, the first thing you want to do is make sure you go through and tier all of your existing customers. Like who are great ones, who are not so great ones? Because look, your customers are an extension of your network. So tier your customers and then partner your AEs with their CSMs, with your tier ones 
to nurture those relationships so that you can, again, get those referrals. I'm going to go back to suggestion number one, connect it back to your incentive structure. But this is actually how you do it in the weeds because your existing customers have so much gold. There's gold in those conversations. The more time you spend with your existing customers, the better off you're going to be, not just the end of this year, but also next year. All right, Doug, let's dig in, brother. 8080. I remember that was my North Star when I was building out the 200 person sales team at Outreach. You know, 80% of the reps hit 80% of the quota. Dude, that ain't happening now. Like, get out of town. You ain't building a plan where it's 80 80. You say you can plan that, but I don't understand how you plan for that right now. When 43% of people are hitting their quota, there's pluses and minuses. It's not easy as playing an 80 80, right? Yeah, but you got to give somebody a target. You need something. And I'd rather get everybody up to that number rather than go add an additional headcount. And the problem is the board and your bosses are likely to go, go hire more, go hire more, because they're thinking capacity. I gotta get to this number, right? I'm at 10 million, I'm trying to get to 15 million, which is, you know, okay, that's gonna be a little crazy, but maybe it's possible because it's early. And they're like, well, go hire four more AEs. So they're like, no, no, time out. I wanna get all my reps up to 80, 90% attainment first before I actually do that. Your bosses might be like, that's crazy. And what if you don't do that? But then it's kind of on you. Yeah. Well, listen, I can get behind like, hey, before I hire more, I need to get the people I got actually performing at an acceptable level. That makes a ton of sense. So, you know, Doug, you've seen it because you're so involved in the VC community. There becomes a point, and I'd be interested to know what this point is, where you kind of want to run hot. Like I'm at that catalyst right now. I'm running hot, man. Like I I need my reps to do over 100% of quota in order to hit my number. And I've done that purposely because I want them to make money. I have this one rep, I don't know if it's good or not, but he's like, I, I need to have blood on my teeth. I need to be taking down deals all the time. I need my reps in tons of conversations so I can learn. So I'm running hot. But at some point you transition to where you have to build capacity in because if you run too hot, you're going to miss, right? When are you having people transition? How does that work? How are you thinking about that? That's such a good question. And it kind of depends on the company that stage, the market, the industry, right? So there's so many variables with that, right? Like we've got some companies that are kind of on the fringe that Salesforce is bringing them into every deals and they're crushing it. They're 200% of their number. And look, I would rather run hot for as long as possible, like pushing the envelope as to whether or not the car may overheat than to be in that situation where we're like, we're running out of pipeline. Like I'd rather keep quotas low where everyone's able to crush it. I'd rather us just rely on our BDRs and our AEs to generate pipelines so that we can go eat what we kill. That's just in this environment, it's kind of what we need to do to survive. You know, part of that, the, the challenge is what causes companies to kind of cool off is when your leadership thinks that because you're doing so well, we can actually push this machine even further and even harder. And that's kind of up to the sales leader. It's up to the CEO to have the real honest conversation, to do that bottoms up math, to identify the risks in the plan, the things that you have to believe to be true in order to actually continue to operate the way you're operating. And if you don't know those things and you can't actually use that in your argument to your CEO and to the board as to why, like, I'm good growing 30%, but if you want me to grow 60%, we're going to break. And that's when things are going to cool off and people are going to get unhappy. I'm super interested. Do you have like a story or an example of someone that really worked like a programmatic way to get that participation up really high like that? Like you've got to have seen somebody that did something kind of cool or interesting that people that are listening to this would be, oh, that could be something I could try. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The sad reality is, is it's kind of simple. And Mark, you you and I, we're old school, right? We go back to basics. 
I have a company, I'm not going to name names, but they were one of the companies that was like, okay, they, the board was like, I need you to triple. And I sat down with a team and we did the bottoms up math. I'm like, let's just say the number was four that they were at. They wanted to get to 12. And I was like, we're lucky if we get to seven, eight max. Right. And, I just, and unfortunately, I can't tell the sales leader to say, because this is not really my responsibility. You'd be like, don't sign up for this number. Yeah. They signed up for the big number and missed two quarters in a row and then he got canned. We went out and hired a new sales leader and it was so interesting. Just, just solid fundamentals is what she introduced. I love the fact that she's just a badass female sales leader. She's just fundamentals. And so she reoriented our ICP and who they were targeting. And then they, she reoriented the messaging so that our outbound and inbound reps actually had the right things to say to the right people. Just total fundamentals. And then she got involved in all the right deals. Oh, by the way, she also went out and hired a whole bunch of people that she used to work with. So she changed the landscape of the reps that were in the organization. Let's talk about a theoretical 2024 planning process. And let's make this really, really real for the audience. So Mark, you talked about a concept called running hot earlier. And I want to explain what that means for the audience. So you guys correct me if this is different from your understanding. But in my experience, the first thing that happens before you talk about the number of reps, the capacity model, the implied attainment, oftentimes there's a number that is in mind. And sometimes that number comes from your CEO or finance or a combination of all of the above. And there's a point at which that number starts to hit you as a VP of sales or as a CRO. And oftentimes in partnership with RevOps, what you then need to do is you need to determine, okay, how many reps do I actually need to hit this? What are the implied capacity numbers? What's the implied attainment, number of headcount, buy segment, et cetera. And so what Mark is talking about when he talks about running hot is Mark might say, I have 10 reps that each have a million dollar quota, for example. That's call it a $10 million annual target for a CRO. By running hot, that would mean that Mark's actual target is closer to 12, 13, or 14 million. In other words, if you just add up the quotas from all of your reps, the quotas equal 10 million bucks, but Mark's actual number is higher than that. So he's relying on the over attainment from his reps to hit that number. Is that correct, Mark? Yeah, so a better concept is called street quota. If I have 10 reps at a million dollars each, I got $10 million of street quota, right? Now, we know that some of those reps aren't going to perform at 100%. We know some of them are going to get out of the business. We know some of them are going to leave. We're going to have to ramp in new reps. So what we need is, on average, for an $8 million number, we need $10 million of street quota to absorb all of those things that we know are going to happen in the business because it's not going to be 10 reps hitting a million dollars, right? So- Running hot is the closer my street quota gets to my number, the hotter I'm running. And then running really hot is when your quota number is actually less than your number. That's running hot. Totally. Yeah, because at the end of the day, you're giving yourself cushion. So here's the other thing. If everyone performs 100% and they all get to their number, you're likely your numbers are too low, right? So finances could be like, your quota is too low. Everyone's making too much money. And our cost of sales too high, right? So that's the trade-off that you're constantly evaluating is like, okay, are people making too much money or are they not making enough money? What I mean by running hot is like, if I've got a $10 million number, and in this case, you've got 10 reps, the idea would be, well, you need 12 million in quota coverage. So you probably need 12 reps to get to your 10 million because not everyone's going to operate at 100%. That's everybody operating about 80% attainment, right? 
that's great. What I want though, is if I've got a $10 million number, what if I reduce their quotas to give them some more incentive? So maybe I hire one extra person. Maybe I have to hire one extra person, two extra people, but I want to reduce their quotas because I want them feeling good about closing deals because it's momentum, right? You get momentum. It's going to cost more and that's the fight you're going to have to make. It's the same fight as like, all right, I'm operating at 80% or 20% overage. It's all about the battle that you're willing to take. And this is where the running hot comes in is, is like, you tell me, Doug, you've, you've seen a lot of sales teams. Who works harder? The rep that is 70% to quota trying to get to 100% or the rep that's 100% of quota trying to get to 130%? Who works harder? 100% rep. That's right, because he's in accelerators. And so when we set people up with these quotas that are too high and we're not running hot, then they don't get that extra, oh my God, I'm making 20% on every dollar I sell. I'm going to go out and find out every penny I can find in my territory. Yes, yes, yes. They actually work late nights because they're like, dude, if I can find a couple more deals, that means maybe I make an extra four grand in commission this month or this quarter. Guess what I can do at four grand? Well, there's my family's vacation for the holidays. It's that. But when you're at 70%, you're like, you have no line aside of getting to 100. You're just like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep cruising. Guess what? I'm going to check out at four o'clock. Yeah, I'm going to push some of these deals in the next quarter because then maybe I have a chance to overexceed then, right? At the end of the day, just never forget this incentive drive behavior. If you're not getting the right behavior out of your reps, the very first thing you have to look at is your incentive structure and what are they getting paid on and what's motivating them. So I remember there are basically two different battles that you guys are talking about fighting. The first battle is I need to fight the goal, right? So if I'm at 10 million and they put a 50 million target at me, you got to fight that goal. Otherwise, you're signing your own resignation at that point, right? That's number one. Let's come back to that. Number two is once you've aligned on a goal, you need to sell finance on hitting it your way, not their way. In other words, oftentimes, for example, at PAVE, I was thrown a puke-worthy revenue target, and it was like, go hire more reps than you think you need to hit that target. And that was when it was a bull market. And I remember at Carta, our VP of sales, now CRO, Jeff, he looked at me and he's like, we're running lean on our capacity model. And every single day I get told by finance and our CEO that I'm ruining the company because I'm not hiring more people. So literally, those are the types of things you have to fight, right? And so, Doug, you've been on far more boards and in far more board meetings than me. Mark, you've been a sales leader far longer than me. Let's say that you've aligned on you're going to do a double or if you're earlier stage, you might be doing a triple, right? If I want to go and I want to now explain to finance that I don't want to just capacity model my way and hire as many reps as possible. I'm actually curious, Mark, how did you sell the concept of running hot to finance? So the way that I do it is I say, listen, I do exactly what I just did with Doug. Like who works harder, 70 to 100 or 100 to a 30? I want my first reps to make tons of money so they tell their best rep friends to get over here. You want rapid iteration on your sales cycle, which requires lots of conversations. And so conversations need to be had with a few amount of reps and a lot of reps. And then lastly is I need people to feel engaged. And the way that a rep feels engaged is they're busy. My number one rep at Outreach, this guy named Riley Devine, he's a magical seller. Whenever he would feel like he wasn't busy, he'd call me like, I'm not busy. I need more deals. I need more deals. And every time I give him more deals, he would blow it out of the water. And finally, I was like, how do we just keep Riley fed all the time? Now, we eventually found a part where like, okay, can't keep giving Riley stuff. We tried to do it in a fair way across the team too, but like, I need that rep 
so engaged that he's not thinking about anything other than how do I close another deal? Because every deal is another fishing trip I get in the Pacific. Yeah. By the way, as you grow and scale beyond the 30 million, you can still be mindful. At the end of the day, what matters to the board, right? Is it like, and look, efficiency really matters because it's going to matter when it comes to raising your next round of capital. You, know, you may be growing really well, 40, 50, 60, 80, even 100%, but like, are you growing efficiently? Because that in this market today really matters. And so I want to get the decrease in the goal and the decrease in the hiring plan was by what you described, which is if you look at our numbers right now, the way that we're growing is destroying our CAC payback, right? For those of you who don't know, your CAC payback is your customer acquisition cost. How long does it take you to make the money back that it cost you to acquire that customer? And I remember my CEO was like, dude, our CAC payback is really, really bad. I'm like, yeah, we got a lot of reps, right? And we needed to hire into this target. And so I was like, if you want to improve your financial metrics, you got to not throw so many bodies at the problem and not have me double the team over the next year. Are there other things when I'm reasoning with my board or with my investors or my CEO, Doug, that have resonated to you when you get the sense that a VP of sales or a CRO wants to pump the brakes on higher, higher, higher? Well, I mean, the other number outside of your, you know, there's CAC to LTV ratios, but the other number really is attainment. And attainment is largely associated with your overage, right? If you're targeting an 80% attainment, right? That means 80% of your reps are likely going to hit 100% or more. But in this market, that's not the case. You can't be efficient in your growth if your attainment numbers are sub 50%. So why go hire additional people if all of your reps are operating somewhere between 40 and 60% attainment? Nobody's actually getting their number. So if you want to go argue for keeping your quota down, your growth target for next year, you want to argue for why I don't want to go hire double the size of my sales team or at least hire 30, 40% more for next year. Let's just look at the attainment numbers and let's look at how they've been over the last four quarters. And so what should I be targeting from both of your perspectives? What did the bull market attainment and participation look like? And then what does bear market attainment and participation look like? And just before you guys answer, attainment is if you just add up how much every rep produced, right? And you blend all of their attainment together, right? So if you have one rep that did 1,000% and nine other reps that did 0%, your blended attainment is 100%. Your participation is what percentage of reps hit quota, it's a measure of consistency across reps. So your participation in that case would literally be 10% because only one of your 10 reps hit quota. So what were you guys seeing before in terms of average attainment or participation? And then what are you guys seeing today as a reasonable benchmark that anyone in the room can take away? Mark, I totally need to hear your answer because my answer is going to be different because it depends on the stage of the company, right? And that is a diminishing number as you scale up. So in a super unique position where I talk to revenue and sales leaders multiple times a day for eight years at outreach, I would say that on average, it was like 65, 60 to 65% of reps were hitting quota, but the blended attainment was probably between 90 and 100%. And again, that's with the, the haircut that you get. So that means most teams were getting close to their number or beating them. And they were doing that, but again, on the backs of people when you're, that's an inefficient business, right, Doug? No, no, no. They were doing that on the backs of like three or four reps that were crushing it. 
those three or four reps did three, four hundred percent of their number. Similar to what to Armand's ex- example, there you got reps that are crushing it. So in that case, your participation is let's say there's ten reps, and you know your average blended attainment is sixty five percent. So then you've got what a forty percent participation, right? In the bull markets, it was what ninety percent at Series A, eighty percent Series B, dropped to seventy percent at Series C, and then it continued for somewhere between sixty and seventy percent beyond. The problem right now is Series A's, in many cases, it's still somewhere between 85 and 90%, but the numbers are different, right? So we're not expecting people to go from 1 to 4, per se, right out of the gate, or 4 to 12, as what happens in Series B. Those numbers are different. Well, now we're going from like 1 to 3. So because the target's lower, reps are actually hitting their numbers. Same thing with Series B. But instead of from 4 to 12, it's more like, let's go 4 to 9. Right. So the numbers are just different in, in the early stages, but clearly from series C and beyond. It's like all of a sudden, if somebody started to count walks as at-bats, the batting averages are going to change. And, and what you're saying is, is in this case, the attainment has stayed the same, but that's because the numbers have been drastically decreased because expectations just aren't as high as they were. Correct. Yeah. At least in, you know for our companies. There are other firms out there that are still maintaining that kind of their high standards because the companies come out swinging and they're producing and they're like, okay, well, let's keep pushing it. Just some release some AI. That's worth an X or two, isn't it? Mark always brings up AI in the last five minutes. <laughs> it's, it's the five minute AI closer for Mark. <laughs> All right, Doug. So we've talked about a lot of things that you should do. And frankly, we talked about a lot of things already that you shouldn't do as a sales leader when it comes to setting comp plans, agreeing to quotas and whatnot. And we end every episode with a shouldn't. So if there was one thing that every sales leader in the world should stop doing today, what is that thing? You should stop taking your reps forecast at face value. Mm-hmm. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Somebody got spicy in the last minute. <laughs> That's curveball. Waiting for the use AI for the forecast now. We got to really round this one out. Oh, God, no. Yes. Yeah. Stop taking your reps forecast at face value. I mean, back to Mark. We were just talking about this before, right? We have to get back to fundamentals. And guess what those fundamentals mean? Being Truly being able to understand whether or not you have a real deal on the table that is progressing and that they're actually willing to go to bat. And I mean, look. The question that I always challenge people to ask is like, okay, so have you had this conversation with the mobilizer of like exactly how they're going to have the conversation with the CFO to actually get budget allocated for this? Because if you haven't, this isn't a real deal. I'm not forecasting this deal. Because the likelihood of the CFO saying no is so high that forecasts are just getting blown up all over the place because the little steps that they're missing are actually really big ones. Boom. Doug, blast of a show. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes. Today's prospecting tip is brought to you by Woodpecker. When you're sending a sales email, you generally want to avoid putting punctuation in the subject line. If you've got an exclamation point, it makes it seem like you're shouting at them. Look at this amazing offer. And a question mark just smells salesy. So avoid punctuation. Now, if you want to steal my full sales cadence from my friends at Woodpecker, there's a link in the show notes for you to go get it and try it for free. 
Did you know that 60% of proposals are viewed on a mobile device? Which means if you're sending a text stock or a slide deck, the formatting is gonna look really ugly and you're gonna make a bad impression. Luckily, our friends at Quiller are here to help. Quiller pages are built on the web, which means they're mobile responsive and they actually look good on a cell phone. And Quiller is having an offer right now to upgrade your proposal from an ugly text stock to a Quiller page for free. So you can see what your boring proposal looks like as a beautiful Quiller page. There is a link in the show notes to take advantage of the offer. Today's sales email tip is brought to you by Lavender. If you want to get more replies to your sales emails, try removing exclamation points and question marks from your email subject lines. They cause open rates to plummet. Instead, make the subject line feel internal. It should be short, one to three words, and it should showcase the topic of the email, but also be about them. We sat down with Lavender and built a sales email framework guide with emails for every step of your sales process. And there is a link in the show notes to get it for free. Alrighty, Mark, what'd you think? I thought it was good. Listen, Doug, like I said in the beginning, has a unique perspective. And I think one thing that he hit on that if I was a sales leader listening to this, that I would really pay attention to is how do I start to construct my argument that I'm going to get the reps I have to perform better rather than bringing on new people? And I think that the devil you know is way better than the devil you don't. And it's easier to work with somebody that you already know and get them improving versus to bring on somebody new all the time. Now, that doesn't mean hang on too long, but it does mean like, can you create an argument to help your company understand what you are trying to do there? Yeah. What was interesting is I think you guys had differing approaches for how to get to healthy revenue. Doug's approach was 80 by 80, right? Get everyone to 80% of quota. Yours was like, hey, let's make sure that our top performers are happy and feasting and have good win rates because they're going to make up the share for the rest of the people. Neither of you guys were saying, keep hiring, keep hiring, and just try to scrape your way to your number. Yeah. We're, we're past those days. If you can't think past that, if you can't figure out how to take somebody that gets 40% of quota and move them up to 60 or from 60 up to 90, then you're going to be hard pressed right now to keep a sales leadership job because that's the challenge. That's right. And folks, I think we're like five, six, seven episodes in. And one thing that I want to say is Mark has personally taught me a ton. And if you like learning from Mark, I certainly do. Go check out his course. The link to it is going to be the top one in the show notes right here. It's going to teach you a lot, whether you're a rep, a sales leader, or something else. And this has been wildly fun interviewing with you so far, my man. So I look forward to more of them. Today's deal acceleration tip is brought to you by Demandbase. If you want to save a ton of time as a salesperson and be more relevant, I recommend you prioritize your prospecting by those prospects who are showing buyer intent. It'll keep you from making a bunch of noise and reaching out to folks who aren't in market, and instead you'll reach out to folks who are in market. Now, we built a bunch of templates to help you prioritize, accelerate, and win with Demandbase, and there is a link to those wonderful templates in today's show notes. Today's tip to optimize your sales day is brought to you by Boomerang. Obsessive checking of your inbox is a total waste of time and brain power. Instead, commit to checking your inbox and responding to email at set times throughout the day. I'm a fan of Boomerang's pause inbox function to keep myself from getting distracted by my inbox. Now, we documented our best templates and tools to help you optimize your sales day with our friends at Boomerang, and you can get that for free at the link in the show notes.